the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. All right, let's get it going right here, right now. This is New Generation Declassified, and you're listening to an all-new New Generation Declassified here exclusively on the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and every single week we take that journey back in time and we check out the finer days of the World Wrestling Federation, specifically the new generation era. And I'm very happy to go back in time to review a show that I'm thinking not many people have seen because the buy rate wasn't very good. Also, uh, just judging by how many were in attendance, I don't know how many people really saw it live because it was a little over 10,000, but maybe for this time frame, not terrible. Uh, but nonetheless, In Your House 4, taking place on October 22nd, 1995. We're going to talk about this show uh, and go over a couple of things going on in the WWF during that time. Now, this show, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada the home of a pay-per-view of this caliber. Uh, like I said, the, the attendance, a little over 10,000 from the Winnipeg Arena, the legendary Winnipeg Arena. This was the time that the WWF was going through Canada very, very frequently. Uh, the boys were uh, not very happy about it, to my uh, understanding. They did not like these little loops that would go through some strange, small Canadian towns. And... Um, Having a pay-per-view there is pretty indicative of the fact that business was down in the States, and it's very well documented how poor the uh, WWF was doing at that time. But it's also very well documented that WCW was really starting to breathe down their neck. And again, you can kind of see how that was uh, really the case because this roster was not at its absolute peak. You know, it was not really knocking you over with the talent that maybe we saw a few years earlier. But I mean, I'm just one guy. I can't really answer uh, everybody's uh, questions, but this guy can definitely help me. Uh, is this guy, Joe Feeney, can you hear me? I can hear you. You know, I have to use my back Mac tonight because uh, just as I hit the record button, the other one decided to do a large update. So uh, thank, God, thank God for the backups. Never get rid of them. No, no. Like I said in the DMs and shit, I had a problem with Conan and Disco's recording last week. For some reason, using my little mixing board here that came in my original podcast studio, it was causing a problem where there'd be like a second of audio and it would just repeat, 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 repeat. It was a pain in the ass. So I, I went on with a headset and it was fine. But I found out today, if you ever have problems with StreamYard, go on uh, – uh, what do you call it? Chrome incognito. And that seems Ooh. to fix it. So that's where I am at now. Yeah. I was nervous uh, lighting this one up. I'm not going to lie. Cause uh, the last time I used this Mac for Streamyard, it was very choppy. Mm -hmm. And this is the first time my new microphone's getting plugged into it. So the fact you can hear me and the microphone is plugged in, we're already ahead of the game. So I'm very uh, satisfied with the setup, but this is a very famous Mac. Cause this is where a majority of the two man power trip interviews and triple threat podcasts did uh come from so this is a uh, a legendary mac in the podcast world <laughs> that's why i never get rid like people ask me about how to start podcasts and i direct them right to this 79 dollar podcast studio because i got it in 2016 <laughs> and i've used it ever since and i see no reason to switch 
I completely agree. Now, Joe Feeney is filling in for another guest uh, who did not make it, but he still could pop up any moment. Um, Well, we're going to talk about him in a little bit. So if he gets free, he will join us. But uh, that's pretty damn good uh, call to action that one guy doesn't show up on time and I throw up the signal and there's a Joe Feeney looking right at me. Uh, Mm -hmm. Quite the fill-in this evening. So thank you, sir. And I'm recording this. I'm not editing this out. I'm leaving this in because let's – Let's tell everybody the inside baseball. All right. In your house for you've never seen this show. No, I've never seen the show. I, sorry, you threw me off for a second. There, you said baseball. And I wanted to make sure you saw this wonderful <laughs> shirt here. Oh, there it is. The Hunt for Red October. Yes. Wow. <sighs> That's great stuff. I hate, I hate that slogan so much. It's not even funny. <laughs> yeah, it's, I can't it's, stand it. I just like the shirt. Yeah, it's a little – there's a lot about this team that uh, – like their fight, their not fight song, but their celebration song is it's a really clubby, like uh, effeminate song, if you will. But everybody seems to be getting into it. So, oh, so so maybe they would fit in with my shirt that I'm wearing. It's the bottom the right, go bottom right shirt. You so it, you said effeminate, I got the bottom right on. So there you go, kind of works came out. out. That came out really good. Yes, it did. Somebody uh, thought it was a Halloween shirt today as I was uh, doing my Chadster errands Perfect. earlier. You can wear it when you're outside giving out candy or taking the kids around. They can, and I started to explain it, but then I had to kind of pull back and wasn't really the right audience, if you know what I mean. Right. <laughs> In your house four. So you've never seen this show? No. And I mean, I've gone back on the network and watched a lot of stuff. For some reason, this one has escaped me. I don't know. Is it nine? It's 95, right? This is October 22nd, 1995 from the Winnipeg Arena in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, in front of 10,000 plus screaming fans, a buy rate of 90,000. What were the in your houses typically doing? Well, they weren't doing 90,000. They steadily went down with each single month, uh, culminating in the following month, which was the lowest buy rate they had ever received up to that point. Uh, the previous month was 160,000. Uh, the previous in your house before that was 280,000. Mm. And the first in your house was uh, 332,000. So that's a steady, steady, steady decline. Yeah, for sure. For and sure. very, very, very uh, close to what we know about the new generation era is that they could not do anything to keep these fans interested, including. Finally, giving the British Bulldog his world title shot against Big Daddy Cool Diesel main eventing the show. But it wasn't just this main event that everybody talks about. It is the Intercontinental Championship match is because there's two of them uh, on this show that, well, it's really it's one plus a forfeit, but a lot having to do with the Intercontinental Championship, which I think if everybody does remember this show, it's for the Dean Douglas getting handed the Intercontinental Championship. So for an 11-minute reign, it's kind of damn memorable. But uh, we're going to run down the card to, uh, to to start this. Now, we've talked to you before on this show. You tapped out during the uh, the New Generation era. Uh, yeah. Do you remember anything about, like, the 1995 years? Year? Well, I remember I, I actually ordered and watched the first in your house. And I, I wasn't into it, but it was like, oh, let me check out this new concept. And whatever it was, it just didn't – I don't know what it was. It didn't hold me about it, but nothing really did. I think it's hard to keep buy rates uh, rising up when you have uh, Diesel and Sid as your main event. I like both those guys, nothing against them, but putting them together is not the best plan either, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, around, like, I've never, I, I looked at the card and I hadn't, all I know about is the Shane thing, really, and Bulldogs uh, going for the title. 
But other than that, I'm looking at it. I'm like, I never even heard of this. You know? Yeah, very odd show. Uh, four dark matches, one at the front of the show, three on the back end. We'll talk about the back end. Now, the in-your-house pay-per-views were only two hours. Okay, so for that time, that was kind of unheard of because we're used to a three-hour show. So the in-your-house uh, concept lowered the price of the actual pay-per-view, which might have been another reason why you got it because it was yeah. an introductory. I want to say it was 1995, but something tells me it might even have been 1495, uh, which was the lore to get it. Now, I'll just say it, my, my experience with the first in-your-house was we had a black box <laughs> for uh, a very short amount of time. And one of the pay-per-views that we were able to view was the first in your house on Mother's Day, 1995. See, um, I, didn't have, I didn't have mine until I think sometime in 98, maybe something like that. Yeah, you know what? Because I think I remember watching Super Brawl uh, 7 on it. I think that's when we first got it. And that was a great time to get it, you know, because my family was all way into it. Even when I was, uh, you know, I was turning 17, 18 around that time. So I started dating and all this. I didn't really watch all the pay-per-views and my family really took advantage of it. Wow, black box during the Attitude Era—that's pretty yes. damn. Uh, That—that's that, impressive. That Plus, was, you get the, you get the Playboy Channel and you got Spice Hot. Oh, turned from Spice into Spice Hot. Those were the days. Yeah, see, I mean, uh, you went the extra distance on that one. I was just remarking like a, a mark, of course, <laughs> on the wrestling shows because that's what I would have been all tapped into. Yeah. Our uh, Playboy Channel was a squiggly channel still, even right. though uh, you could only watch it in one uh, room of the, ah, the back part of the house. But that's a different story. Different mm -hmm. story. Um, yeah, this show was very weird. So they do dark matches after the pay-per-views because they were shorter. So after they'd sign off, you'd still get a couple of matches. And when I read you these matches afterwards, you're going to say, well, why didn't they put this on the pay-per-view instead of that? Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Let's run it down. First dark match. Uh, Bob Holly, mainstay WWF, taking on a guy who did not get his due in the WWF, but had a great run in ECW. Rad Radford, a.k.a. Louis Spicoli. Four-minute right. dark match to kick it off. Is that acceptable to a Joe Feeney if you were in the crowd? I mean, those guys probably had a good four-minute match, I would imagine. Yeah, I guess. It would I would like to see it go a little couple minutes longer, but you know, I understand it. Who won Holly? Bob Holly defeats Rad Radford. Yeah, even though this was a time where they were trying to turn Rad Radford, for some reason, uh, babyface, because they paired him with the Body Donnas at that right. point, and they were having the Body Donnas, uh, you know, rib him for being a little chubby, and we're trying to get him to lose a little bit of weight. So uh, this is in the Rad Radford uh, kind of slow burn turn that we would see for, like, again, a way small cup of coffee before he was released. Before he was out, yeah. When did they turn um, – when did they take away the Sparky Plug name? So he's billed here as Bob Holly. I still think he was – some sort of sparky plug at this point. I'm mm -hmm. uh, just going to look it up just to see if there's anything that, that does mention it by name. I think he's just, uh, you know what? He's Bob spark plug, Holly in 90 in 95 and 96. Yeah. I so sparky that. plug is gone. Now I've talked to, uh, to Bob before. I did not realize how much he actually hated the Thurman sparky plug name. Terrible. It's a bad name, but he legit, and I haven't talked to Bob in about four years, but I'm not even, he legit hated the name. <laughs> yeah. Something sort of fierce. Well, I think it was that time period where, and I read about this in Jericho's book too. They were bringing in some Smoky Mountain guys, probably through Cornette, but the idea was to make them, to give them gimmicks and make them kind of like they'd beat enhancement guys, but they wouldn't beat anybody else. So that was right. like your Tracy Smothers and, um, 
you know, probably uh, Pritchard, Tom Pritchard came in and, you know, um, Jericho was going to be one. So Bob Holly was one of those guys. They just, they just slapped that gimmick on him and, you know, kids could cheer, but he had enough credibility to take a loss, I guess. Yeah. I mean, and they would eventually, I guess maybe that was a lot of lobbying on Bob's part was to eliminate the sparky plug. And then it was Bob spark plug Holly. And then, you know, eventually that would all get dropped and he would have a completely different dimension to his character when he would just become hardcore Holly. Yeah. I love hardcore Holly. I got there eventually, but I was so annoyed at first because really, we'll be an ECW fan. You know, he would beat Al Snow. Yeah, yeah. Hardcore. I'm like, nah, dude, Al, Al should have the belt. He's not Bob Holly's not hardcore. Where'd this come from? But then, of course, he wins you over with his matches and stuff and his interviews. No, I lo- absolutely love Bob Holly. Uh, even in 95, 96, I, I really had started to, uh, hey, a quick intercontinental title reign, too, in there, you know, yeah, before, right. uh, Phantom win. So uh, they, they were getting behind him. Uh, opening match of the card, a guy who uh, was supposed to have a big 96, but didn't. Hunter Hearst Helmsley defeats Fatu mm-hmm. eight minutes. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Was this um, anti-drug Fatu? This was, was making, yeah, Fatu making, making a difference. difference. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, still semi, you know, early Hunter Hearst Helmsley. He had come in over the summer. So October, they're just starting to get him some wins on pay-per-view. So uh, nothing nothing huge. Uh, obviously, had a great look. Obviously, the pedigree was a great finisher. You could see him in that intercontinental title spot, you know, from a mile yeah. away. Uh, but beating Fatu on a pay-per-view to start the show. I mean, like to me, that doesn't really get, get you going. No. <laughs> so we're already this, off to a not great start. Was that his first pay-per-view match? Uh, I believe he had a match at SummerSlam, I want to say. Mm-hmm. But still, again, this is the opener to the, ma- to the card. This is not right. what you start with. I no. honestly, if I was booking, which I'm not because I was uh, – 13 at the time mm-hmm. uh i started off with the second match second match uh tag team championship the smoking guns bart and billy defeat the team of the one two three kid and razor ramon this is also wow. on the road to the one two three kid turning on razor i think like two weeks after this mm-hmm. but i would have started the show off with that that's at least a hot opener two baby face teams you get the crowd kind of split uh, yeah. I believe the guns were um, going back and forth a little bit, maybe a little more heel. But again, the uh, the kid cost the team the match. And, you know, Razor wasn't mad, but the kid was upset. Yeah, I, w- I agree with you. I would have opened with that, too, because anything that Waltman did around that time is going to be pretty phenomenal. Uh, Scott was great, of course, Razor. And then the guns were a great tag team, you know, so I'm sure it was very good. I'm, I was going to say I'm surprised. Raising the kid didn't win. Then I remember what happened. So yeah, yeah. What, what what do you think about the guns? You think they get their uh, their due? They were kind of uh, just at this point in '95. You know, they were really the only like stalwart babyface tag team the company had, and uh, they had been around since '93. So by '95, you basically had seen everything you could out of the Smoking Guns. Did you like them as a pair? I mean. Like it wasn't my error, like we've said. I think they don't get the credit they deserve because of the era they were in. They kind of were like placeholders between that early '90s great time, and then, you know, things started to pick up a little in '96 and '97 with Davey and Owen and Lafon and um, what's his name? Uh, Fer- Furnace had a. They looked like they were going to be a hot team, then they weren't. You know, the Road Warriors come back, so I think people just look at them as like a placeholder team. There was no one else to give the belts to, kind of thing. So. Yeah, very strange. And isn't it funny, like how Bart is such a small part of Billy's career? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> as, look we, at that. as we get to it now, where Billy is one of the most over guys in professional wrestling in 2022, and here we are talking about a show from 1995. 95, yeah, unbelievable. 
First time I ever stood next to Billy Gunn, I thought, man, now I finally feel short. Now yeah, I finally feel like a small person. <laughs> big bastard, man. Big time. <laughs> you put a billboard on the guy's chest. Big time, yeah. I went. I talked to. Uh, I was talking to Road Dog at Starcast, and Billy. Was, it's not the first time I saw him, but still, when you see Billy, you're like, Jesus Christ. He's an impressive individual. Uh, mm-hmm. Next match, a debut for the ages. Joe, did you know that this match, an 11 minute banger, 11 minutes, uh, Goldust making his WWF in ring debut at this show in your house for. Uh, the months of vignettes finally uh, culminate with the arrival of Goldust defeating one of my personal favorites of all time, Marty Jannetty. But Goldust on the way in knocked a lot of guys who were on the way out, Marty Jannetty being the first victim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, I did know. I did remember that that was his first pay-per-view match. So, And I'm assuming Marty did a great job. You know, yes. He was uh, cooled off there. I don't, I don't know where he was in his run. I know he was there a little bit the, fo- the following year with Al as the new Rockers, but... I'm not surprised at this point. He was just used to put an incoming guy over. It's very weird. So Janetti loses to Goldust here. A few weeks later, when the one, two, three kid turns, he kind of has a, he's feuding with Razor, but he has a kind of a feud with Janetti because it's his former tag team partner. Mm-hmm. So it, by December, you get Janetti and Razor versus Sid and the one, two, three kid. Right. But Janetti's fed to gold dust on this pay-per-view, so it's kind of weird. It's like, uh, I'm supposed to now get behind this guy who I just saw lose to the debuting guy. It yeah. didn't really make a lot of sense. No, no. Maybe they had somebody else in mind, but it just didn't come together, you know? I'm going to throw this one at you. Why don't you just flip Marty Janetti and Fatu? Yeah, of course, I, absolutely. I, I don't. It took them a long time to get behind Fatu, actually. Not It was until, you know, late 98. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, well, look, Hunter Hearst Helmsley versus Fatu – a few years later, so it's kind of a huge match, you know? Yeah, it would have been, right. <laughs> that, I always laugh when I see, you know, like uh, Undertaker versus Isaac Yankum on a mm-hmm. show, and it was on a Monday Night Raw, and you think it's like, well, only four years later, this was a WrestleMania match. It's kind of funny. When you... Right, or like Bret Hart versus uh, Rocky Maivia, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, next match, singles match, a little weird. Uh, King Mabel with Sir Mo. Again, now somebody on the way down. Yeah. Uh, taking on Yokozuna with Mr. Fuji and Jim Cornette. So we got heel versus heel here, following up two matches later after a babyface versus babyface match. I, I think that Vince was hitting that little gimmick that you're hitting right now because this is a very stupidly booked show. Mabel versus Yokozuna? Yeah, and this is even God. before. Now, they had a little run-in at the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. Um, this is before all that. This was uh, around this time is when they put The Undertaker out of commission. I can't remember for the life of me why these two had a match, but, I mean, why? <laughs> why put that on a pay-per-view? I mean, I can understand it. You're putting the two big guys together, but it's certainly not going to be pleasing to the eye. You know, it's... No, yeah. I mean, look, yeah. even Vader and Yokozuna was terrible. Yeah. Yeah, well, Yoko was enormous by that point, so he was he was done. I'm just trying to see if they he was done shortly after that. Well, no, actually, he was around until SummerSlam. So, well, he, so, but here's what. He, so basically, you get Yoko through the Royal Rumble as a heel, right? Then they turn him babyface. He's with that awful six man at WrestleMania 12 with Jake yeah. and uh, Ahmed Johnson against Camp Cornette. Mm-hmm. Then he's kind of like around, but not doing much between WrestleMania, and then he's got the match against Austin at the SummerSlam free-for-all, then you really don't see him much until the Survivor Series, and then he's never seen yeah. again. 
And he's never seen again. Yeah. Despite uh, all the rumors in 97 of him being in the Hart Foundation. Yes. Three. Can you can you imagine, though? Like, OK, again, grand scheme of things. Here we are in 2022. Yokozuna's run is really only late 92 to about early 96 before he just is basically a background player. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, you felt like he was involved in every single, you know, big show for so long that it was more than it really was. Yeah, it was very short. But then, then again, people look back, and so was Rock's initial run, you know, uh, as opposed – I mean, he came back a few times, but really his first run was only 96 to 2002, maybe, you know, and then he's gone after he loses to Brock, and he comes back for a few things here and there, but – it's uh yeah, it's a lot as uh, long a time. I mean, look, even Austin too, you know, Austin changes the world in 1998, but by 2003, which is only out. five years later, he's gone. Yeah. Uh, let me call your attention. If I my to this uh, screen that I'm going to bring up here, this is what we would see next. Oh no. The forfeiture of the Intercontinental Championship. My favorite moment right there, the snatch mm. scene around the world. The Dean comes out in all his glory in his giant robe to become the Intercontinental Champion, handed over by Shawn Michaels, who uh, was wearing the very cool eight-ball jacket, if you remember. Mm-hmm. I remember it well, yeah. <laughs> Look at was, that. Uh, I, I, was this around the time Bill Watts was kind of hanging out and yes. thought he was going to, yeah. Correct. Uh, they had an incident a few weeks prior called the Bill Watts Massacres, what Shane refers to it as, mm-hmm. where all the heels go up and they beat The Undertaker, they beat Diesel, uh, they beat Shawn Michaels, and um, it never happened again. Let's just put it that way. Right. Uh, this was to me, I just, as a, I remember watching it, loving it, because he was such a hateable guy at the time. Mm-hmm. That it worked perfect. And, you know, Shawn Michaels, we heard the stories. He got beat up. We didn't know the truth that we know now. Uh, this was the perfect, perfect move to get the heat on Dean. He's now the champ. You would think maybe they let him keep it an extra night. <laughs> yeah, at least a night. I mean, and they could have had a, well, we're, we're right before Nitro here, right? No, Nitro's going on. No, Nitro's, Nitro's yeah. a couple months in at this point. So you could have had uh, Razor going for the IC belt on Raw, and then yeah, look at that jacket. That jacket's hideous, man. <laughs> with the pants too, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, he's not only wearing the ugly ass leather jacket with three different colors, but he's got on slacks. <laughs> yeah, that's brutal. <laughs> uh, all of a sudden, he walks through the curtain, and then we hear the uh, the the familiar music. Razor Ramon hits the ring. Now the story goes, and if guest was here, he probably could relay it a little bit better than I could. But uh, he was there that day. He was just supposed to uh, win the belt. And uh, the finish was getting run down. And uh, he hears, uh, sorry, he finds out somebody's in the background. And he doesn't know why. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, basically, out from the shadows comes Scott Hall. And they give him the finish. He doesn't like it. He pitches that, okay, we'll go with your finish, but let me at least kick out. And I'll have something to gripe about. Uh, they do that finish, but the camera doesn't catch it. Dean mm-hmm. has no gripe, and Dean is now gone and out of the Intercontinental title picture after essentially holding it for 11 minutes. Yeah. And what, what did he – the last thing I remember – I was going to ask what he did from there. Didn't he do something with Ahmed? And There might have been something in between. I'm not remembering. So they started to kind of build it, and uh, it just it went absolutely nowhere. I'm going to bring up the finish for you to see yeah. uh, and how they absolutely just completely screwed this guy over. 
who, I mean, he's got a legit gripe all these years later. <laughs> and he'll be one to tell you that he, uh, it's still bullshit. But here we go. The finish is coming here. We got to whip into the buckle. How long was the match? What'd they give him? 12 minutes. Oh, well. Okay, look, here you go. Duck underneath. Here's a suplex. Boom. Watch the Dean. Watch where the camera is. Look, Dean, one, two, three. Dean's leg is outside the rope. Yeah. Not, not mentioned on commentary, not shown by the, the camera. <laughs> and they had him lose to a back suplex. Back, just a, a shitty, not a shitty, you know what I mean, like a, a weak back suplex, not the one off the top rope, <laughs> not a devastating one catching him coming down. No, just a regular old uh, suplex. And uh, yeah, the Dean has his, uh, his gripe. It's all these years later, 27 years to be exact. And um he Razor Ramon <laughs> walks away as the Intercontinental Championship, and then the next night, or no, the uh, the next month they'd be in, uh, yeah, Washington for the Survivor Series. He'd be in the Wild Card match. He gets eliminated, and then he quits the next night. Jesus, yeah, no wonder he's so pissed. <laughs> I right? Mean, I didn't saw that finish before. That's brutal. It's terrible, and it just goes to show you that uh, <laughs> you might get a lot of promises when you're brought into an organization, but it doesn't mean that you're going to get every one of them lived up to. Nope. Um, you know, he was supposed to have some feud with Shawn Michaels, and it never happened because of all the drama with Scott Hall. Uh, 11 minutes, one second. Jesus. A year later, he'd be breaking Gary Wolf's neck. <laughs> right, right. And what a great oh, – that's, that's still incredible to watch the crowd go nuts, you know? So that was match number, uh, technically number six of the night because the dark match is match number one. Next, you got yourself your main event. Mm. 18 minutes, 14 seconds. The British Bulldog defeats Big Daddy Cool by disqualification. A lot of bad interference in this match. Um, Bruce Pritchard has told the story on his podcast about it, but I will relay it to you if you don't know it. Uh, no, I don't know. Okay, so Vince McMahon is doing commentary at ringside. Oh, I do know it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he throws his headset down in disgust, declares the match is horrible, fucking horrible, uh, leaves ringside, storms to the back, goes off on both participants, the agents, and Mr. Pritchard himself. And uh, Kevin Nash says that that was basically the building block to his exit from the company because the match was received so poorly. Right. First of all, you can't give those two guys 18 minutes to close no. a pay-per-view. That's you, the that's the first thing. Yeah. And and having the non-finish kind of bullshit with DQ. People are paying for the show, man. You can't do that. That's that's gonna leave a bad taste in everybody's mouth. Yeah, and it's uh again, Bulldog all those years being built up, not getting a world title shot. Now he finally gets his world title shot, and it's a DQ finish. And again, weird to keep him alive because two months later he'd have that. I would say the, the weakest of his Bret Hart matches, but still a damn good match in comparison to this, which was like, you know, a fart in church. I mean, an 18 minute fart that lasted the whole time. Yeah, that's, I mean, I don't know if Vince is getting so pissed. He should probably blame himself. I mean, maybe it was just the frustration from the night. Cause this is just not a good show. This is not yeah. a good card. This is not a, uh, a, a memorable night for the new generation. But it just coincides with why I do this show. It's like unearthing this, you know, massive, not even gem, like question. How did this make the air? <laughs> right. How is this not a house show? Like, how is this an actual event that people paid money to see? And that's probably where the frustration came from. 
Yeah, and with another organization breathing down their neck a little bit already, you know? Yeah. Well, if you went to this show, you weren't done. The pay-per-view was over, but your night was still just getting started. You still had three matches before you were allowed to leave the building. Uh, <laughs> oh, strap in, because we're going oh. uh, to be in for a bumpy one. Uh, Psycho Sid would then mm -hmm. make his way to the ring to take on the recently turned babyface Henry Godwin. No. Okay. This match gets 12 minutes and 34 seconds. Yeah, it's uh whew. I don't know. I don't know. If I was 13 or whatever there, would I be looking at my dad going, Can we just go? You know, like it depends on what's left, but that's not a good series of matches there. No, it makes little sense. Again, why would you have why did you just put this at the beginning of the night? Mm -hmm. <laughs> why did this not make the pay-per-view? But, you know, the, uh, the Hunter Hearst Helmsley Fatu match had to get, you know, the first eight minutes of the night. Like, I, it just, you don't want Sid on the pay-per-view? What's the finish? Doesn't even say. Just uh, oh, Psycho okay. Sid defeats Henry Godwin. So, I'm guessing powerbomb, middle of the ring. Maybe they didn't want Godwin to lose on pay-per-view at that time. I don't know. Maybe they weren't happy with Sid. It's got to be one or both, you know. Yeah. And Sid, not in the main event picture anymore. And again, he's put into the, uh, you know, the, the tag team with the one, two, three kid the next month. So, uh, yeah, very weird. Uh, how about this one? So <laughs> out of all the people, <laughs> all the people in the building, one guy pulled double duty on this night. <laughs> oh, no. Who is it? <laughs> well, the uh, hodgepodge team of uh, Savio Vega and Bam Bam Bigelow okay. uh, faced the uh, former World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions, Owen Hart and Yoko Zuna. <laughs> Yoko pulls double duty. That's a little odd. <laughs> the 600-pound Yoko Zuna, uh, first out there in, with King Mabel. Granted, only five minutes, but uh -huh. uh, coming back with Owen, I'm guessing Owen worked the entire match. Uh, you would have, yeah. 13 minutes, 22 seconds. Uh, Bam Bam on his way out at this point. Right. Next month, he'd lose, lose the gold dust, and then he's in ECW, I think, in December. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, what the hell is this? This is like, what? Why even bother? Like, get, you know, give give somebody else an extra five minutes somewhere to throw this on for thirteen. Yeah, that's another interesting fall from Grace. Kind of was Bigelow. You know, Shane had his, but Bammer went from the main event of WrestleMania to you know losing the Gold Dust five months later or whatever. That's that that King of the Ring match that was the death of uh, Bam Bam, unfortunately. Yeah. But you know, if you look at that King of the Ring match, you look at a guy like Tatanka, who two years before was undefeated on top mm -hmm. of the world. The year before, in that huge match with Luger, and then here you go, he's in uh, <laughs> the shitty, probably the shittiest main event of all time. That uh, yeah. King of the Ring '95 uh, tag team match. Well, you're missing one guy who hasn't made an appearance yet on this show. Who is it? Brett, you're you're good. If you had Brett on your checkerboard, you are correct. Uh, the main event of this show is a dark match that was not televised nor broadcast anywhere. Bret Hart defeats Isaac Yankum DDS in a singles match in 14 minutes and 10 seconds to close out in your house four in the Winnipeg Arena in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, on October 22nd, 1995. Well, I guess you got Brett. Main event in Canada. I guess people would st would stick around for that. Uh, and him and him and Yankum already had their pay per view match, right? Wasn't it SummerSlam? SummerSlam '95. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So that's just that's just something for the Canadian fans, really. I mean, that was that's a foregone conclusion that match. But it's kind of funny to see Glenn Jacobs main eventing at that time. You know, it's like he he 
hadn't really been around that long and no he wouldn't be uh used use as a star you know for a couple of years no um I've very rarely ever like talked to him about the Isaac Yankum time, but the only thing he's ever talked about from that era is how much they learned on the road at that time. Because as I said, before you came on, this is when the WWF was so hot to trot in Canada because they could not draw in the States. Right. So I've heard the stories. I heard it from Glenn. I heard it from Shane. They would go on these ridiculous car rides to these just podunk, weird Canadian towns mm -hmm. that, you know, you take your life in your hands crossing a bridge of ice because there's right. nothing else going on in the, uh, the area. But a guy like Kane, who's as senior a talent as anybody in the industry learned from this era, basically, you know how bad rock bottom is going to get. And that's where he started. Imagine yeah. being him in 95 and being like, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, man. Can't, can't take this travel. This is too much. It's, Send me back uh, to Smoky Mountain. Send me back to USWA. Yeah, it's incredible, you know. And again, the, I hated Isaac Yankovic. I mean, what a just what terrible. a terrible gimmick. I mean, that's it's not even even the kid in you can't get behind something that bad. No, it's. I mean, they were running out of uh, occupation gimmicks. You know, you're gonna get a dentist eventually. <laughs> Who else hates the dentist? Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, he's got an action figure, so I guess he really did make it after all these years. Yep. Uh, what do you give this show? Out of 10, just by me reading you these results. <laughs> oh, my God. It's a two or a three, maybe. <laughs> I'm trying to think, like, well, now I've done a podcast about it. Maybe I should watch it. And I'm like, well, what match exactly would I go back to watch? You know, you know, I wouldn't even uh, tell you to do that. Uh, there's yeah. the, that's the, um, the amazing cover art they give you for the poster right there. That's a bad, <laughs> that's a bad move. That whole – it sounds like the first four were – terrible you know but it has to do like they had to find the right opponents for nash if they want really wanted him to be on top obviously it ain't sid it wasn't bulldog it wasn't mabel no. by any stretch of the imagination you know so you know i'm gonna give my, my if i was gonna give my award for the top in your house concept of those first couple because again the fifth one is the worst one of them all in my opinion the one mm. the, the uh the december pay-per-view the three belts on the line in one match Diesel and Shawn Michaels versus Yoko and Owen, uh, who I think it was uh, Owen is taken out. So Bulldog takes his place, uh, gives you the out if somebody was to lose. If Bulldog gets pinned, you know, do they really lose the belt since he's not the right. champ? Uh, I like that concept. The match is the shits. <laughs> it sucks. Jesus. What a, I mean, that's why, I, you know, you, you go through this time period. And I'm like, yeah, that's wasn't mine. Wasn't my time. I, I caught back on the following summer. <laughs> This September 24th, 1995, Saginaw, Michigan at the Saginaw Civic Center. Attendance, 5,000. <laughs> Good Lord, for a pay-per-view. And that's diesel country. Saginaw, Michigan, that's diesel yep. country. Oh, Joe. They were just working it out. I mean, by the following year, they, they kind of had the how do I format this in your house type card. They, they right. started doing better. Yeah. Like, these first few are the shits. Listen. September 24th, 95, is this in your house three? September 22nd, 96, is Mind Games. Yep, yep, so they figured it out. So what a difference a year makes. Mm -hmm. Next time we'll talk about Mind Games. You get a little yeah. ECW uh, yeah. Good stuff. All right, Joe, I appreciate you jumping on here. Uh, please tell these wonderful listeners of New Generation Declassified where they can find anything and everything going on in the creative control world. Well, you know, as you know, you can catch me on Mondays with Raven and Rich Bikini on The Raven Effect. Uh, I'm on all the K100 shows throughout the week, the main show, the mailbag show, 
came in under talks and rehash, mostly on rehash. Uh, as far as Creative Control Network at the CC Network One, you can find Chad Francine on there with eyes up here, of course. You can find John Paz and Tom Pritchard, John Paz and Kevin Sullivan. Husey's on there. You also get Allos and Gunslingers doing true crime. And uh, Pat McNeil's on there as well with Wayback Playback. So um, there you go. I mean, there, everything's available at the CC Network One on Twitter. You can find it or just look up the Creative Control Network on Spreaker. You can find all the shows there. And they're all available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So. There you Got go. It. Oh, check out uh, ProWrestlingTees.com slash CC with Joe Feeney for your Addicted to the Blade t-shirt. Yes, please. <laughs> uh, I'm addicted to it as we speak. <laughs> well, Joe, it's always a pleasure, and I appreciate you jumping on on short notice. Literally, Jesus. No problem. Minutes. He's uh, talking short notice. This guy was like two minutes notice. <laughs> yeah, well, I was I was sitting here doing – I was getting some work out of the way because, uh, you know, that World Series starts on Friday. So. Shut up. Got to get it all done. Uh, Please, when people listen back to this in a year, they'll be like, man, I can't believe anybody thought the Phillies were going to win. I don't think anybody does unless you're around here, you know. All I can say is win if you can, lose if you must, but always cheat. Let's go Astros. All right. If you want to follow me, it's at Chad EMB on Twitter, at IB Exclusives on Instagram. Please check out my website, ibexclusives.com, for all your uh, autograph signing needs. Check out Get My Go Season 3, currently on YouTube, starring uh, myself and Joe Feeney and a couple other great talents that are out there, man, somewhere in the Get My Go universe. Uh, but we're coming for you, whoever you are, so beware. And a uh, new episode dropping this week, I believe. So Saturday, yes. Stay tuned. Be glued to that YouTube. Subscribe feed that you have if you're already with us on get my go if you're not what are you waiting for uh but that's enough out of us for the uh, great joe feeney this is your old buddy the chadster we will catch you on the flip side thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling what the world is downloading